Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, homestead, garden, and designing your intentional life. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have a man who needs no introduction, Cyprian. So Cyprian, I know you from Counter Markets and Bitcoin Mystery School, and then you're also on Royal Path with Andrew and Father Turbo, which I really like a lot. So what's going on with Bit- Bitcoin Mystery School right now? Are you still doing the novice classes? At one point, you were talking about backing some of that off, right? I think if I'm called to continue that, I will. I just I have so much on my plate, and there was definitely a season for that, but it takes up... I mean, I'm basically, you know, I'm wiped. If I do that on a weekend, I'm wiped for like a week and a half after that. Um, sure. I'm, I'm kind of a... I don't know if I would use the term antisocial, really, but I'm a very like I'm a private person. Like if I see anybody outside of my family during the week, that's like rare, you know, except if I'm like going to the store or have to do something like that. I mean, and I'm a programmer, right? So that's that's nature. So it really takes a lot out of me. You know, that those three days, sometimes answering questions, they can go like some of those classes have gone like three and a half hours in a session, four hours, I think one time. So it's like, you know, it could be 10 hours uh, over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And for me, for somebody who's like, especially in groups, I'm good one-on-one, but especially in groups, it's a lot for me. So it was quite demanding. Maybe, maybe we will revisit it. I think right now things are in, are really in flux in terms of uh, financial stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying globally. Sure. And so, you know, crafting a message that's really, really useful. Uh, right now, it doesn't really feel like things are solid enough to really be, you know, giving people the same sort of, let's say, help or perspective that was a little easier in 2021, let's say. Um, I'm really thankful for for everybody that, that uh, participated over the years. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe something different. We'll see. Yeah, I it's been a blessing to me, and I I know the the Telegram group alone has been worth the price of admission. Yeah, I th- I think that's probably the most valuable thing that has come out of it. I didn't know that the community was going to, and I mean I'm saying to me, right? Like completely selfish. I find great value. It's pro in terms of a source of daily knowledge and also just uh, interaction with people who get it. For me, it's that, and I mean, Counter Markets is is less active. That that Bitcoin Mystery School group is really, really active. Sure. Um, and I think, and I think part of that is also because people sat in with classes together. You know, that's something that yes, it's great if that you know the newsletter group is fantastic, but there is a different situation if like no, I've actually sat in. A, I've been a, a a fellow classmate. I've seen this person's face. I've heard their voice. I kind of know where they're coming from. We've gone through similar experiences together, you know. It's been a great value to me and I think it's been a great value to uh, to a lot of people who have been involved. Great. Yeah, so you were talking about a new phase. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is to talk a little bit about mindset. We're kind of in mm-hmm. a sort of 2020 type phase and what I saw back in 2020 was a lot of my prepper friends including myself, you know, plenty prepped, not a big deal, didn't lose a job had enough stuff and that yet weren't prepared mentally and even mm-hmm. spiritually for what was happening. And then just a lot of them just fell into depression, 
And because of that whole, I mean, prosperity is a religion in this country, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all of a sudden, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, I'm, uh, I'm not guaranteed this and we're winning. We're back to the, we're winning part. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I wouldn't say anything that's happened in the last two weeks is winning. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I wanted to get your take on that and, and some of the tips. Yeah. So this, this is actually an interesting topic because it allows us to, and I want to be careful with it Mm -hmm. as well, right? Because whenever we are, and and this is something that I'm trying to do a little more. I mean, I'm not by nature very good at this. I'm generally pretty blunt uh, in terms of the things that I say, but you know, when I say those things, I, I say them you know, because I'm very, very confident about what's going to happen. So I more try to restrict myself to the things that I'm extremely confident about and not comment on things that I'm not so confident about, if that makes sense. It tends to give a much better track record. You know what I mean? In terms of predictions, if you just stick to the things that you yourself are pretty much 100% sure that this is the case. And I think that this, that that in many ways gets to the, the crux of where, let's say, depression could come in, talking about the context of the last three years, mm-hmm. in the life of someone who had styled themselves a prepper. Right. Because it, the, the, the very, we could say the, the presupposition or the foundation, the pattern, the core pattern that's happening if, we, if someone is self-styling themselves a, a prepper is really it's about a bet. Mm-hmm. It's a bet on a prediction. Right? Because there's many different ways to prep. Sure. You know, that's what's interesting, right? Is that we have a prepper, we have a prepper community. Uh, and I know what that means. And I think a lot of people, especially people who are, you know, on our side of the fence, whether or not they are preppers, but even people who might be considered enemies, they hear the term prepper. And I think it's there enough to where they're like, they can, I can make some pretty reliable guesses about this person's let's say political bent right some of the things that they believe that may or may not be called conspiracy theories probably some of their daily activities they're uh, to a degree their spiritual orientation i can say a certain set of things okay and so that's interesting so that also tells me you know now we actually get into it's it's actually a question of eschatology which is interesting mm-hmm right? Eschatology. Yes. Eschatology being the study of the thing at the end, Mm -hmm. which is the eschaton, right? So knowledge or wisdom about the thing that comes at the end, the eschaton. And so every religion obviously has some eschatology, right? They have a cosmology and they have an eschatology. So it's like, how did things come into being? How did we get here? And then where do things end? This is generally any spiritual tradition is going to have both of those, a beginning and an end. And the arrow of time goes from one to the other. Certain ones, the eschatology, you know, they'll have a cyclical. So they'll be like, well, there's no real, real end. Every end is a beginning, but they, they can also sort of say what that transition looks like. Right. So even if you're talking about reincar- somebody that believes in reincarnation or if we're talking about the wheel of time, we're still going to have these sort of phases and cycles. OK, mm-hmm. so if we are a prepper, then we we necessarily have 
and eschatology that we subscribe to, right? Because what are we prepping for? Well, we're prepping for the eschaton. We're prepping for the end. Hmm. And now the end of what, right? That's always the, that's always the key, the end of what? So the end of civilization as we know it. Okay, and now we can view that in the largest sense, like grand globally, or we could view it in a much more localized sense that just sort of my country. Right. Right. Or my, you know, the, the order. So maybe the country sticks around, but the order changes. So what do I mean by that? It could be something like, you know, the Nazis come to power in Germany. Well, Germany didn't go away. Right. But certainly the old order left. Or the Bolsheviks come to power in Russia. Well, the country of Russia remained, but the order ended. And so within the sort of prepper community, these are the things that are talked about and that are prepped for. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's at the large. So sort of like no more internet, no more electricity, financial system globally shuts down. What does that look like? And then there's like tyrants take control. They're going to take everybody's guns. They're going to start throwing people into concentration camps. Maybe the other stuff doesn't crumble, right? But let's be prepared, but we need to prepare for that. So it's pre prepare at the local level, prepare at the global level, and people kind of pick and choose between that. Sure. Okay. So what happens when an apocalypse that signals an eschaton actually occurs and it's nothing like what you prepped for. <laughs> yeah. And you've been prepping for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And you've been engaging with people for 20 years in consensus about the eschaton. You've been building a mythology. And then this thing happens that you actually spent zero time prepping for because you couldn't have prepped for this particular situation. Right. Right. You only actually have at that point, you only actually have two options. And I think that we've seen both. Right. Either one. The depression is actually a doubling down mm -hmm. and the depression is going to go along with like not getting to acceptance. Sure. It might be part of the grieving process for your worldview for this world, because honestly, what has actually ended? What has actually happened? Well, you've actually experienced an eschaton. Your order, the framework, your mental framework has ended. Right. Well, right? like Father Turbo says in, uh, has said on several episodes that depression is actually more about pride. Yes. And it is, why is this happening to me? This shouldn't happen to me. And that's really the core of what that whole experience since 2020 has been like. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see it again, right? This shouldn't happen to me. Mm hmm. And I think that shouldn't happen to me is where we can drill down. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then you say like, well, why do you say that? Why shouldn't it happen to you? Right. You know? And the answer is because, well, because it doesn't fit into my worldview. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's interesting because we I'm a software developer. Right. And so in software development, developers talking to one another. A software will have a certain behavior. And one of the things that, you know, the developer who wrote the software will say is, well, that shouldn't be happening. 
so so what am I saying? Right. And I say it myself. Oh, that shouldn't be happening. Well, what I'm actually saying is my understanding of what the code consists of, of what it does, of the reality of the code. Right. That I that I wrote ostensibly or that I maintain. Right. Because this bug is being reported to me. Right. It doesn't match up with what's happening. Right. So you'll hear things like, well, that should be impossible. That shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. Oh, that shouldn't. There's no way that that. It doesn't make any sense that that would happen, right? And and if I, I now I can change the code so I can go in and investigate. Good, okay. I don't have to get depressed. But let's come to a situation where, okay, I can't change the code. Mm-hmm. Here's the code, and this can mean a lot of things, right? Because it isn't just I wasn't prepped for it, but it might also mean, well. Now I'm in a community that was wrong, right? I'm in a community that everybody in this community, our reality just ended. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for, and I, and I find great value in this, in my community and who, and who doesn't, right? (laughs) Like it's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I find great value in in this and this is what I've, and my, my own reputation with others, right? what I've built myself up to be, how I understand myself, because we understand ourselves through the stories that we tell ourselves about where am I in the story? Well, it's all over. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially, I mean, it's such a setup to be like your identity is I am prepared. If right. that's your identity and then you're not prepared and it's clear that you're not prepared, that's hard. So, right. Eventually, you're going to either have to come to acceptance or it's going to ruin you, right? So you're going to go through the stages of grief. Right. And that's what you said back in 2020. You need to get to acceptance as quick as possible, right? The first thing that I said, Mm -hmm. the very first thing that I said in March 2020, my message was the world as you know it has ended, whether you realize it or not. And that was a message to everyone, including Mm -hmm. myself. Because the world that I had known as well had ended. I wasn't prepared for, for what we were hit with. How could anybody have been prepared for what we were hit with? Sure. Right? The, the nature of it was so... You couldn't write it. Because, sure, there were people who were pre- prepared for like a real crazy outbreak-style pandemic. How many people were prepared for... No, there's not actually anything, and it's a magic spell. How many people were prepared for that at scale, at global scale? Nobody. Nobody was prepared for that, including me. And so that's the other thing, is to be like, oh, okay, my reality is shattered. Let me accept that, and let me figure out what the new reality is. And a lot of people... I would say maybe it's not the majority, but I think it's powerful that so many people, a few, it was instant. A few, it took them a year. Mm -hmm. A few, it was two. Many more are coming around to it now because they see that, as you say, the same game is being played. Starting up again, Mm -hmm. it's got got a new cast. (laughs) It's got a little bit of a different details to the story, but you see, ah, it's the same narrative again. 
the manufactured global crisis. And the people who came to acceptance and realized, oh, this is a magic spell. This is you're seeing a lot of people have a, have have the ones who are honest. They're having a real what, what, what you would call a come to Jesus moment, right? Mm-hmm. They're having they're realizing that, oh, no, no, no. The uns- this is a, a spiritual warfare. There's an unseen world. If I'm really going to prep, I need to prep much more than just material. You tweeted last week about the definition of crisis, and that was really eye-opening. Give a little bit more detail on that. Well, the word crisis, crisis in, in Greek, it means decision. So it's a decision point. It's a decision point. And actually, when it was first used, was it was used in uh, medicine. Hmm. And it's the point at which it's the pivot point. You know, when they're like, if he makes it through tonight, then he can recover. But it's tonight's the critical night. If he can just make it through the night, then he can probably live. It's like that. Wow. So it's, the, it's that pivot point between life and death. Right. Where a decision has to happen. A decision has to be made. And if the wrong decision is made, it's death. That's what crisis means. Mm-hmm. So we're all trying to avoid crisis and avoid struggle. And the folks that are running the country or whatever are actually trying to drive through that decision point. And if you were a leader under certain circumstances, say you were in a company, you would be driving to a decision point also, right? Of course. I mean, well, there's the famous quote from Rahm Emanuel, right? Who was the Mm -hmm. chief of staff of uh, Obama and then went on to become the mayor of Chicago, where he says, never let a good crisis go to waste right. or never let a crisis go to waste, I think he says. Right. Because he says, you can do things in a crisis that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Well, that's it. He was Obama's chief of staff, but you got to realize you don't become chief of staff for, for people to understand what a chief of staff is for a president, right? This mm-hmm. is the brain. Sure. This is the brain. This is the person who's going to herd the cats, who's going to organize all of these powerful political individuals who are all vying for the top spot all of your secretaries the leaders of the you know in the legislature who are in your party all the people who would love to take you out right. and put themselves in there and this is going to be the person who's going to get them all to work together for your benefit that's what a chief of staff does mm-hmm. okay so and that's that's the to me, that's the highest level of Ma- Machiavellianism that anybody could have. And here he's telling you straight up, never let a crisis go to waste. You could do things during a crisis that you wouldn't otherwise do. Well, to me, the corollary of that is manufacture a crisis whenever you need to get something done. True. Yeah. Never let a decision point go to waste. Drive it toward a, de- mm-hmm. a decision point. Always. And so this is this is you know, what we're looking at now, that every time these crises come about and people say, you know, we're hearing it now with this financial, this banking crisis, right. and they say, oh, it's a failure of the regulators. Hmm. It's a failure of the regulators. And it's like, who, who are the regulators? Right. And then you look and you're like, well, the top regulator in all of this would be the Treasury Department. And it's like, well, who's the head of the Treasury Department? Oh, Janet Yellen. Well, what was her former job? Well, head of the Federal Reserve. You think that they messed this up? Yeah. (laughs) This was a failure? No, this isn't a failure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is exactly what is supposed to be, because what does it end up with? Qui bono? 
Well, it ends up with the big banks getting bigger. Right. Everybody taking all their money out of the small banks that they had it in and shoving it all into the big banks. Right. Well, there's a revolving door between the big banks and the Fed and the Treasury. Right. You remember the 2008 crisis. Sure. Financial crisis. Right. Who was the who was the Treasury secretary? Hank Paulson. What was his former position? Well, he's the head of, of Goldman Sachs. And who ended up winning in that? Goldman well, Goldman Sachs. Sachs. And who ended up losing? Well, all the competitors of Goldman Sachs, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, this was a failure of the regulators. It's so weird when a failure benefits your friends. They, that's not called a failure. Mm -hmm. That's called success. When your actions benefit your friends, which by extension benefits you, then that's success. That's the definition of success. I would hope for everybody, right? I would certainly not think that, that someone would think that success is when your actions are to the detriment of your friends and your family and your pocketbook, right? Yeah. So, the, and this is the same, you know, thing that we're going through with the postmortem of the last three years mm -hmm. from Twitter files, right? To, and the weaponization of the, three-letter agencies. And it's like the weaponization of the FBI. You mean the armed group that enforces the will of the executive branch with guns? Yeah. No, it's already weaponized. <laughs> yeah. It's a weapon. What do you mean the weaponization of the, of the FBI? You mean like the weaponization of a gun? The weaponization of a sword? It's redundant. It is a weapon. And so if it's used as a weapon, it's used successfully. That's not a failure. None of the things that have happened have been failures. The same sort of situation as it's coming out that it's that it's like, oh, you know, I'm seeing in, in the parliament, they've got all these things where it's like, oh, all the things that we knew. The poke, the woke poke, you know, these numbers came out. There was some MP, they all walked out on him. And he was like, you would have to vaccinate. The, the, the best way, it was something like you'd have to vaccinate 900,000 people to prevent one hospitalization. Sure. And then he was like, because of that, you would have like some crazy number of 8,000 severe reactions, right? This is coming from like House of Parliament, mm -hmm. where he's reading the government's own numbers. And, and then, then it was the like, folks walked out, right? They walked out before that. Mm. Yeah, they walked out when he was about to speak. And then he said, we don't even know how many people under the age of 39 you would have to vaccinate because there's never been a serious. We don't even have a number on someone under the age of 39 who had a serious issue from the virus. Sure. So we don't even know how many you'd have to vaccinate infinity people, everybody. And you'd have however many million serious adverse reactions where you put somebody else in the hospital. And he's like, and it would cost this many millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. It would cost this many, at not even millions, billions of dollars. And he's like, this was a failure. This was a failure. And it's like, a failure? A failure? Who paid for the campaigns? What industry is paying for the campaigns of the people who just walked out on you? What industry is running more ads 
on the 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 news because he was like it was a failure of the fourth estate the media mm-hmm. well who pays their bills turn on cable news and start jotting down what industry as the ads come in start jotting down what industry right on cable right. news what is this industry oh what's well, going to be 85 percent pharmaceutical Right. So your actions benefit your friends, Mm -hmm. which ends up benefiting you, the people who pay your bills. That's not failure. That's success. Mm -hmm. And so this, I think, when we get into this idea of like, okay, what are we really what should we really prep for? How do we really prep? Well, first you got to see, well, what's, what is the battle that's really taking place? What is the threat? Right. I think it's first to to understand that there is a battle going on. Mm -hmm. I think some people are aware of what that battle is, but they think it's the battle between left and right or liberal and conservative. Yeah, definitely. Right. And it's like, okay, well, let me prep for that. And people did prep for that. They're going to take our guns. And it's like, bro, they injected poison into babies and you did nothing not a shot was fired mm-hmm. they don't need to take your guns they can inject poison into babies next to like next door to you mm-hmm. and you won't fire a shot why would i take your guns yeah they shut your churches down on easter and not a peep not, not a shot fired well i don't need to take their guns keep your guns Keep your guns, especially what what I might do is I might make you think I'm going to take your guns. Right. So that you'll start thinking about that. Look over here instead of looking at what's actually going on. I'm happy to do that. You're now that's easy. Oh, that's all I have to do. To get away with literal murder, all I have to do is start a rumor that I might take your gun. Yeah. Put in a bill into your your local have some random state representative put in some bill that I'm going to require extra registration or not allow you to have a bump stock. And I know you're out of the fight. Mm -hmm. Whether that thing ever goes through, whether it gets through committee, you're gone for three months. That's all you, you can't see any other things that I'm doing. Well, and most of the people that I know, you know, every evangelical Christian I know got vaxxed and most of the big talking preppers, self-sufficiency guys that I know held out, talked real big until I'll go to make my truck payment. And then they all got vaxxed. Yeah, some of them became evangelists for it then. Oh, you need to do this. You need to take this other one because it's not as bad. Well, always, by the way. Yeah. that's That that always happens. There's actually this, this relatively famous story in the Russian Orthodox Church. So for people who, who don't know, when the Bolsheviks took over uh, in, uh, in 1917, instead of demolishing the church basically what they did was they installed a a new church Mm -hmm. it's patriarch sergius they call it sergianism and this they called the living church and and so it was basically a state approved church they got to approve all the sermons they changed things around they did demolish a lot of the buildings Uh, they killed hundreds of thousands of clergy and lay people during the soviet time but there's this relatively famous story. I don't believe that the person telling the story, he might be a saint. He might have been a, ma- a martyr. Um, but basically, he tells the story that uh, he had a brother priest 
who when the the sort of the terror first came and they were persecuting the church, uh, they were having a conversation about, um, you know, they, they were both very much against sort of the Sergian church, this living church, this Bolshevik church. Mm-hmm. Which they and always call the living church. The living church, right? As though the other one is dead, right? Yeah. So this is the this is the living church. Well, it's dead. Be- they thought it was dead because they killed, they killed everybody, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is. Like, if you want to live, join this church. And at that time, the actual Orthodox... They were there's what was called the catacomb church. So they were practicing in secret. And this priest basically said, well, one of them, not the one telling the story, but the other one was like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm looking at I'm looking at the situation of this, you know, this this Soviet church over time. And he's like, you know, maybe it's not so bad. I mean, I see that there's some issues, but like they've got all the things, apostolic succession. It's actually a way for people to actually go and get communion and, and and maybe from the inside maybe a little bit i could change it you know like maybe i could be a and so he he signed up he joined mm-hmm. up and this priest who's telling the story said that just he he began to notice a shift until the point where this priest was actually then calling him the priest telling the story who had remained faithful a heretic and, you know, became a threat that always going to turn him in. He may have actually turned him in. Forgive me for getting this story. But the idea here is that this is the pattern. This is the exact pattern. And it's like a, a complete 180, a complete flip. And the reason why is it's cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Right? If we, Because, again, it's, it's about us not dealing with the apocalypse, the revelation, the right. end, mm-hmm. the end of our identity. We need our identity. Our identity wants to survive. This is ego, right? So it, it, and and this is why having having a spiritual practice where you can and you can practice and be okay with humility of having your ego crushed and being like being able to admit, oh, I did something wrong, and that doesn't make me a bad person per se. It makes me human. Sure, right? Even the fact that I went back on my own, you know, I, I went back on my my own principles, my own morals. Mm-hmm. Well, you can always turn that around, right? That, that can always be turned around and you can always bear witness to that fact. But if you refuse to bear witness to that fact, you will absolutely become a tool of that thing that you believed was evil. Wow. Every time. You, you, because you have to. You have to. That's the thing. You have to. There's no, because you're in denial. Mm-hmm. And you're... you're cognitively both your psychology and your soul your spirit it can't be holding those two opposing views it's too painful it's too painful sure so you've you've got to say well no i'm right now now i'm right i was previously wrong what i had believed then that was previously wrong but now i'm right and then you go whole hog yeah right and this is actually the, this is the end of 1984 Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. I mean, it's old if you haven't read it at this point, right? But the end of 1984, the last words is he loved Big Brother. Because Winston, this guy who had been fighting it through the whole thing, at the end, no, he loves Big Brother. He's re- deprogrammed and reprogrammed. And this is it. Because once you accept that 2 plus 2 equals 5, and it's all linguistic. Mm-hmm. But it's all linguistic games. That's what 1984 is. It's, it's all about control through through language. 
Sure. Which is a spell. <laughs> which is a spell. Which is what they did. What did they do? They went and changed definitions of words. Well, that's straight out of 1984. That's Newspeak. And Orwell says in there, he writes why. Well, the whole idea is the goal is to get you to where you can't even think the wrong thing. You can't have wrong think because you don't have the language to to even think because we think in language, Mm -hmm. right? Where you can break those thoughts because it's like, well, I don't even have a word for this, for this concept. So I guess it doesn't exist. It must not exist if I can't put a word to it and I can't even think past this point because I don't have a word for it. Well, there you go. And so, well, we see it. It, It's kind of like, and and I don't want to call out this particular individual, but there's there's somebody who's got a a relatively popular um, YouTube channel, but there's a lot of these people, right? Right. Where they've been going after the wokes and kind of the gender, the gender bender thing. And it's like the longer you stare into the abyss, you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back at you, right? And it's like you you dance with the devil, you don't change the devil, the devil changes you. Their degeneracy is your trap. But this person, it's interesting where, you know, they've got their YouTube channel and they'll be commenting on these TikToks. That's sort of their thing. They comment on TikToks and then they'll be talking about a particular person who's who's one of the thought leaders of the sort of gender stuff. And they'll be they'll say he. Oh, he. And then they'll be like, oh, excuse me. You know, at this point, ironic. Oh, excuse me. They, them don't want to get canceled by YouTube. And it's like, well, you can rationalize what you just did, but you just Mm self-censored. You just gave a pinch of incense. Yeah. Now you can say, oh, it's just a pinch. And oh, it's done as a, oh, oh, it's a troll. But it's like, no, 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 no. You, you just, you've altered your reality because what's actually happened is why did it even trigger in you? Who's the censor in your head now? <laughs> because if I'm just having a conversation, that doesn't occur to me. I just say he. But it's like, oh, no, no, no. You self-censored. Mm-hmm. You caught yourself. Right. And soon you'll no longer miss the he. Mm. Soon you'll just go they, them. And then maybe in the beginning you say something where you rationalize it. Oh, because I and you know that I'm just saying they, them, because. Yeah, this, disclaimer it's time. like, well, yeah. disclaimer right after. So it's like, you see the progression. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but there's nobody over you doing that. And it's exactly putting on the mask. It's exactly putting on the mask. Because what is it? What is, what is a mask? It's a muzzle. It's self-censoring. It's the same pattern. The same pattern. And it's to be like, well, yeah. I know that like this doesn't actually do anything. I know that, you know, but they said for me to put it on. Mm -hmm. So, or there's a sign that says I need to put it on. A person didn't even say it. And who knows that sign might've just been left up. Mm -hmm. They may not be enforcing it inside, you know, which was definitely the, the, the case here in Saipan amongst us. We just, at a certain point, we just were like, no, 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 no. There's some places where the sign is still up and nobody's nobody's wearing it. <laughs> Nobody pays attention. <laughs> well, because they just never took the sign down. Right. It was that unimportant to them. We still have the social distance stickers on the floor. They're still and, around. Uh, go go this way, straight down this aisle. You're only one way down the aisle and everything, and nobody bothered to take those up or they tried yeah. to peel them off and they couldn't. And so, so what does it say if you still are following those? Right. Right. Well, it's the same thing. 
Well, see, and this is now you've internalized it. Yeah, this is interesting. So everybody says, oh, we're winning and everybody it's common sense now about the vax. They haven't been keeping their eyes on what their politicians are doing. And at the county and the city level, a lot of them are still passing laws that like, for example, oh, yeah. uh, downtown Kansas City, Jackson County, county commissioners have still been pushing all the way through last year to imp- with that New York law, right, to empower mm-hmm. the health director so that they can unilaterally shut down everyone or not everyone, but a specific thing, specifically a church, mm-hmm. but not all churches. There's no recourse and there's no turning it back on. They can decide when they're going to turn it back on. Now, they're specifically behind the scenes calling out a specific Orthodox church that you and I know. <laughs> Right. Of course. Hey, wait. Of course. They're all they're in there. They're standing too close together. They're kissing icons and they're taking a common communion. Mm -hmm. And then there's no recourse. They turn it back on when they say it's allowed. Mm -hmm. And those folks are still doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, New York has a law on the books and a lot of these counties around here are doing the same thing. And of course, it's not about. (laughs) Well, it's it's that's the interesting aspect of this is how do you ascertain winning right i mean winning is in air quotes right you know and i don't even mean you i'm saying i'm saying broadly sure right how how do we how do we gauge you know winning or losing well in order to do that first we have to understand what game is being played don't we right 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 and and we have to understand well what are the rules of the game Mm -hmm. is there something broader that is taking place here what is the scope Let's put it like this. Baseball, it's nine innings. But if you believe that it, that the game is only one inning, right, then you might think that just because the other team didn't score and you scored one point, then you're like, we're winning. It's like, dude, you're down by 20 runs. <laughs> they yeah. just put in their scrubs, right, to get some people some playing time, to prevent some injury, to rest their pitcher they're blowing you out you're only just paying it and never mind i don't even think we're there people are like they're there they think it's just the at bat mm-hmm. so it's like look oh strikeout we struck that guy out okay but the, the bases are loaded and they've got their slugger coming up i think that that's the most important thing and that's where the spiritual aspect comes in sure because the scope when we if we, if we talk about spiritual it's not that we're saying outside of the material Mm-hmm. But we're saying expand the scope because it isn't even just about those nine innings, is it? Yes, we won the game. And you're like, yeah, dude, but you're like last in your division. You're not going to the playoffs, bro. That's the thing. It's like it's bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you have to look at what you're doing. How are you planning? How are you seeing? What is your perspective? And then you can start to say, are we winning? And what would winning look like? What would winning look like? Because right now, I think we're far from winning. I've never seen in my life the United States as on the verge of civil war as it is right now. And there's, there's, no, there's no winning a civil war. <laughs> you, there's no winner in a civil war. Hopefully, the civil war ends with the people relatively still intact. Mm-hmm. But that's not assured. Right. And there's definite suffering that comes after that. And the the sort of the the reverberation of that can last generations. 
there are places that are in a low-grade civil war that have been in a low-grade civil war for centuries. Northern Ireland, Turkey, the border of Kurdistan and Turkey. Right. How long is that going to go on? Forever? Right? Look at South Africa. Is that what we want? Is that winning? Is that winning? Like, that's not winning. I think that this is the key, and this is why so many people are adopting a more spiritual bent coming into the new time that we're coming into because they recognize what is the, or they want to understand better what is the battle that's really being right. fought. So you've been talking about uh, build the ark and the Ephesians 6.12, mm-hmm. it explains everything. Mm-hmm. So elaborate a little bit more on that. Some folks watched your build the ark and didn't quite get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's for sure. And ears to hear, for sure. Right. The ears to hear is the most important part of Build the Ark. But let's talk about Ephesians 6.12, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the uh, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of darkness of this world, right? Mm-hmm. So this is uh, St. Paul. Really, I mean, this is just... People take this as like some sort of metaphor. It's not a metaphor. In no way is this a metaphor. Like, this is literal. And it's to say that, no, every time that you think that it's this person that you're battling against, it's not. It's not. There's a, there is a higher level battle taking place. And mm-hmm. I think maybe that sports analogy for people can be helpful to understand, okay, you walk into a situation and you sit down in front of a game that you don't understand, mm-hmm. that you've never seen before, a sport you've never seen before. Right. And you understand that, like, the battles, the winning, the scope of that extends a long way. Right. So we just talked about if it was baseball, Mm -hmm. you could walk up and be like, okay, what's happening right now? Like, so what's supposed to be occurring? And then it's like, well, he's going to throw the ball and then it's going to, you got three strikes and you're out and then balls and you walk. And then if he hits the ball with the thing, then somebody picks it up. And if they throw it to the first base before he gets there or they catch it in the air, then he's out. Oh, and then the thing happens. You're like, oh, that was cool. And then the next guy walks up and you're like, wait a minute. Wait, what's going on? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. See, there's three outs. There's three outs. So you got to do that three times. And then if somebody gets on base, they can run around and they can score a run. Oh, okay, Hmm. that's good. So then everything goes on. You know, the three outs, three outs occur. Nobody scored. And you're like, oh, okay. So those guys won. No, (laughs) no. So you see there's innings. Sure. Actually, there's another at-bat. Now the other team gets to go. Oh, so then the other team goes, right? And then they're, they're like, okay, well, they scored one run and they scored zero runs. So the one that scored one run wins. No, that's not the scope of the game. There's nine innings. And then the nine innings are over. Oh, so they won. No, 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 there's a season. And then somebody gets all the points of the season. Oh, oh they won. No, 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 there's playoffs. Oh, the season was just to see what the rankings would be for the playoffs? Yeah, it's only the playoffs that matter of who's the World Series champion, right? Those were just to rank to see who's going to get into the play. Oh, Hmm. and then the season's over. Oh, so they won. And it's just like higher and higher and higher and higher. And it's like, this is what St. Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. That he's like, no, 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 no. You're wrestling against flesh and blood. You're still on the balls and strikes. No, no, no. The game is up here. 
And there's the only way to even begin to look at the game up here, it's, you can't do that in one lifetime. The wisdom that is required for that is generations. It's thousands of years of recording and figuring out and describing the game. And that's tradition. A materialist could, could, you know, and that's the thing people will be with me like, oh, you're literal about like demons and all this. And it's like, well, when you're talking at the highest level, think about it. We do that. Same person who's a materialist who will say, oh, demons, there's no demons. There's no disembodied consciousness. They're the same ones who will be like, well, big tech is doing this. (laughs) And big pharma is doing this. And I'll be like, touch big tech. Mm -hmm. Touch it. Put your hand on it. You're saying it has desires. You're saying it's taking actions. You're saying it has a value hierarchy. That sounds like an entity to me. Mm -hmm. Corporation, a body, a person, a legal person. Our law says that there are legal persons running around that are that are disincarnate. Hmm. It's in our law <laughs> right. that this is the case, that have desires and wants and bank accounts that you, you can sue without suing a human being <laughs> and that are liable for their actions, but no human being is liable for the actions. But I'm absurd for talking about demons. But you want to tell me all about what the corporations are doing. Okay. Okay. That's a little off. You're not really examining your own set of beliefs. Because you believe that there are disincarnate entities that have a massive effect on your world. And that are in control of people. That people are acting as their agents. The ancients knew this already. That's Mm -hmm. what principalities means. A corporation is a principality. (laughs) This is what it means. That's that's what they're talking about. And so then that gets us to build the ark, right? So once you understand that, like, okay, what is, okay, so our world, it's not just us. I think that icon of uh, John Climacus with the ladder, really. With the, with the demons pulling the monks off? Yeah, yeah, pulling them off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you have to ask yourself, okay, because somebody's going to say, well, but, but, but we make, corporations right well we we make them we go down and file them and, oh it's and it's just us it's it's just the person who filed it really hmm. really it's the founder of ibm still alive is anybody that worked for ibm in the first year that ibm was created as a corporation still working for ibm no did ibm go away no will ibm still be there very likely when everybody working for it now is dead yes and will it still be doing the thing that ibm is supposed to do even though that will change so ibm has changed and grown and learned hmm so why on earth would you believe that it only started when the papers were filed that's like saying that a human being doesn't exist until the birth certificate is recorded and anyone who's an entrepreneur i've had companies that have been before we needed to file paperwork to formalize it as a corporation where we've been doing business for years. Mm -hmm. Right? No, 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 no. It exists as an entity that's doing things and that I'm acting on behalf of, that I'm trying to gauge its will. What's good for the company? What's good for the company? Well, where's the company? 
You mean what's good for the company could be things that aren't good for the individual people who are within the company or could actually be to the detriment of people within the company? Yes. Yeah. Wait a minute. And my response, my fiduciary responsibility as a CEO is to act in the best interest of the company. Not the people, but the company. Right. That's the corporate culture. Well, where's the company? It isn't the piece of paper. I'm not acting on behalf of the piece of paper that's been filed. That doesn't make any sense. Right? So if it's outside of the piece of paper, so then it didn't exist on the piece of paper. It, it didn't begin its existence on the piece of paper. Well, when did it be begin its existence? And mm -hmm. why do I believe that it came out of my mind and not that it's communicating with me to exert its will? Those are the principalities and powers. We, we are their agents. We are their hands. Right? And, they, and yeah. they have their own set of beliefs. They have their own values. They have their own goals, their own telos of where they want to go and what they want to be. Mm -hmm. So that gets us to the arc. Right? Because, and, and I said ears to hear is the most important part of, of the arc. Right? right? So I said build the arc. Okay, and people were like, I know what that means. I got to make more chickens. I got I to gotta go, you know, I got to go prep, build yeah. the ark to prep. And it's like, okay, well, stop. Stop. What is the ark? What ark am I talking about? I think people recognize, like, the preppers certainly got Noah's ark, mm -hmm. right? Okay, but that's not the only ark. Right. Noah's, Noah's Ark is a prefiguring of all the way through of the and and then we get the Ark of the Covenant, mm -hmm. right? Which the Israelites carried around, right? And it was to contain, and then they put it in the Holy of Holies because it's it can, the Holy Spirit is inside, right? And you can't touch it, you'll you'll die, right? So there's an immense power. It's containing life, and it's also the center thing it's the thing that all of their culture is oriented toward right it's the central thing and it's protection protects and nurtures sure right this thing for them and that but that's a prefiguring of the mother of god she is the ark right now she's a she's a, a, a an organic ark mm -hmm. she's a human ark right and she's going to carry nurture and protect in her womb, in her matrix, that's matrix means womb, right? <laughs> so in her matrix, she's going to nurture God, the Holy Spirit incarnate, okay? Incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man. This is what right. we believe. Okay, so she's the ark. So then we say build the ark. Okay, build the ark. Well, all three arcs were built. That's what's important to mm -hmm. understand, right? So we understand that Noah built the ark. And then we understand that the Israelites, under the guidance of, of Moses and Aaron, built the Ark of the Covenant. And then you're like, well, Mary was, like the, the, the Virgin Mary was, was built. And it's like, yes, that's what we understand it, that the entire project of Israel was to, so that what, and this is what the fathers say, the entire project of Israel was so that a teenage girl could say yes. So what we understand in the tradition is that at a young age, the uh, Mary's, parents uh joachim and anna dedicated her to the temple so from the age of like nine she lived in the temple 
Okay, so she was built. Right, she was built in the same way that, you know, you go to a Marine boot camp's uh, graduation ceremony and they'll talk about what do we do here? We build, we make Marines, they say. Mm-hmm. We build Marines, we make Marines. So the mother of God was, 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 was built, she was made. Right, and she had a choice to say no. Right, but she, she decided that she would become the ark. And now, so what's in all of those? So what's the first thing that you have to do before you build the ark? What's the prerequisite? There's a prerequisite with all of them. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's ears to hear, right? Because, well, first off, how do I even know to build the ark? Then how do I know what the ark should look like? How do I know what I should build it from? When every case told by God. Hmm. Yeah. Right? God told Noah exactly how to build the ark and exactly what to do with it. Same thing with Moses, the Ark of the Covenant. Same thing with Mary, right? Who's to, who it's announced to her, an angel comes down and it's announced to her. Mm-hmm. And what's the prerequisite of all of them? The prerequisite of all of them is first, you got to have ears to hear. Mm-hmm. First, you got to have ears to hear. So where? So how do, how do I prep? How do I even know that I need to prep? Right, because these are weird things. You're going to go build a giant boat, <laughs> and you're going to put all the animals in it. What? And it hadn't rained. Like, I never. You, you can't. And well, and it hadn't rained yet. Yeah. Right. It had not rained yet. You're going to build. It's going to rain. You're going to build a giant boat. You're going to put you and your family in it. And you're going to be safe. Right. You can't intellectually come to that. There's no YouTube video that's going to say that. Sure. Right, ears to hear. Same thing with Moses. Oh, you're gonna build this. Th- you're gonna build a box. You're gonna build this box. You're gonna gild it in this way. You're gonna put this angels on top. You're gonna have two staffs between it. And you're gonna carry it in front of you when you go. What is this? Hmm. That's not a weapon, God. No, it's a weapon. <laughs> no, it's the weapon. Right, and then here comes an angel. You're gonna have a child. I don't have a husband. No, you're going you're gonna to be a virgin and you're going to have a child. Never seen this before. This, is never, th- th- this has never happened before. And the opportunity to say no. Right. right. And of course, all the things that come with that. Because look, there's going to be plenty of people that aren't going to believe this. There's going to be plenty of people that are going to call you some things. Right? So this is, this is it. So what comes? So that's what build the ark means. It's like okay, build the ark. Yes, I'm going to build the ark. I need ears to hear. I need need ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And then what it is that you need to build is going to be revealed to you. That's that's what it is because you clearly you're intellectualizing your way to what to what you were preparing for didn't work right didn't work new strategy needed Mm -hmm. new strategy needed so whatever you think something is coming right Mm -hmm. but whatever you think that something is at this point that's not what it is like the details of that is not what it is 
And so what's your best course of action? Well, your best course of action is to understand the sides that are fighting the battle. And then don't just stand in the middle of the battlefield, which is what most people did, Mm -hmm. and get demolished. Because one of these sides is very happy to to blow up the building that you're in. (laughs) And the other side is not. The other side is actually fighting on your behalf. (laughs) Right. Right? And so it's to figure out the side that loves you and is fighting on your behalf and recognize that like, hey, if you enlist, you'll be given orders. Mm -hmm. Because they've got the view. Right. You don't have this. You don't have the surveillance photos. You don't have the AWACS planes. You don't have the satellite. Right. They've got all the intelligence and the intelligence will be given to you. But you're going to have to enlist and you're going to have to fall in the chain of command. And it's not a human chain of command. Right. There are humans involved. Right. There are humans. There are humans involved, but they are all pointed at the same. At the same thing, and orders can come directly from the top to individuals. Right. And they and they do. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what build that's what build the arc means. It's not a it's not a yeah, it is material. Of course it is, right? Because the spiritual doesn't ignore the material. The spiritual comes through and is manifest in the material, as we've seen for better or worse. Right? But it's like First, you need to understand, like, well, what is it that you're supposed to build? Because your arc is not going to be the same as the next person's arc. Hmm. Right? What you're given to do, well, it's it's war. It's war, right? Like, the in, we have infantry. We have artillery. We have communications, right? We've got the Navy. We've got the Army. We've got the Air Force. Your training and what you need to do to play your role is not going to be the same as what somebody else needs to do to play their role. So long as you're both following orders, you're both remaining faithful to to the cause and to the to the sovereign, then what comes down and what you do will be complementary, even if you don't understand it to be complementary. Right? The guy that's driving a the, the guy that's repairing a helicopter may not understand how that is going to help the infantryman. You know what I mean? That's gonna need the 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 support from that helicopter at some point in the future. Definitely. Right. Yeah. They're thousands of miles away, but they're complementary to one another. Sounds good. Very good. So tell where folks can, can connect with you. Tell a little bit about the Royal path. Royal path is a podcast that we've been doing for, I think a little over a year now. Yeah. It's a little over a year. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that long. And it's just on YouTube. You can search the Royal path. I think there's a, I think it's, there's enough views at this point that you could find it probably if you put in the Royal path, father turbo, it'll probably show up pretty good. That Royal uh, path or goes right to the top. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You put in the Royal path on YouTube uh, and you can find it there. It's also on Spotify. And I think for people who are looking for, I think it's, I think it's a pretty good introduction, even for non-Orthodox people um, to, especially if you go back through the, the episodes, the early episodes, we, we sort of go through the creed. So it's a real, mm-hmm. it's actually a really nice kind of almost like a, it's a catechism, 
catechism, maybe yeah. not even a mini catechism, like maybe like a full blast one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't sacrifice, you know, an in-person catechism with the priest for that. But sure. it certainly had a lot of the things that my catechism, because Father Turbo is the one who catechized me. me too. Um, and so, you know, it's it's got a lot of the things that, that he that he teaches. Right. So um, definitely definitely worth it and certainly worth it for for people who are orthodox but even if you're just inquiring or even if you just want to know more i think one of the interesting things about father turbo and and where he and i really connected is is on the mystical mm-hmm. i think this is hard for a lot of people you know i i've i've spent a lot of my life um uh, and even professionally so for those who know my background like deeply exploring the psychological on the jungian side really right sure. um what what and what motivates people and whatnot so the psychological and the mystical because it certainly it starts to bleed in when, when you're like okay well here's some mysteries here but that they're powerful and, and palpable uh, and the occult and things like that and mm-hmm. father turbo has a also has a similar background in understanding those things which by the way so do a lot of orthodox saints sure um there there are spiritual principles that are there that are just that you know i mean I often talk about fasting, right? It's like, yeah, well, fasting is in every spiritual tradition, including the evil ones. Yeah, except <laughs> including, for evangelicalism. <laughs> except for evangelicalism, which tells you something, right? Well, yeah. It's like, man, the Orthodox say fasting is powerful. The Satanists say fasting is powerful. Crowley was like, yep, fast before you're going to do magic and summon demons, right? Right. Candles and incense, chanting, right? It's like all of these tools, they're, they're tools. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think to start to, to have somebody who can who can help to bridge and Father Turbo is very good at doing that mm-hmm. to sort of start to bridge people who are not used to that mystical aspect that can make that can make certainly orthodoxy um, seem very foreign yeah. and and difficult to comprehend. Um, to to start to have a glimpse into, OK, what's going on? Where does this cross over? I think that's very useful. So I've really enjoyed it. I, I constantly, I'm, my mind is constantly blown just sitting there having the conversation. Um, so yeah, people could definitely check that out. So Royal Path, easy to find on, on YouTube or Spotify. And then, uh, you know, probably best way to follow me is on Twitter. So mm-hmm. at Cypriana, C-Y-P-R-I-A-N-O-U-S. Right. Sounds good. Thank you, Cyprian. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. So believe it or not, that's not the end of the conversation. You want extras? Go and join our Patreon. There's another half hour of Cyprian's comments. Find out what he thinks about the current crypto landscape and what's the significance of those banks, especially the Silicon Valley banks, crashing and then being bailed out. Oh, that won't affect me. I got all my crypto over in a in a wallet. You may be surprised. That's on our Patreon patreon.com slash thriving the future. Thank you for listening to thriving the future podcast. Like us and follow us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes that helps drive the algorithm and pushes thriving the future up in the search results. Thank you.